morning. Do you open with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7? And uh, we're beginning to wrap up the Sermon on the Mount. Last week was actually kind of the conclusion and then moving into the uh, final stages where he gives some illustrations, if you will, of all that he's been talking about. And he moves toward this conclusion with a series of twos. Uh, you'll notice that if you look at it and see the rest of it, it's talking about two of this and two of that. Uh, even in today, where we're looking at 13 and 14, we go by the narrow gate. Uh, we see that there are two ways, two gates, and two destinations going on in today's uh, two verses that we're looking at. But as we go down the road, we see that there are also two trees and two fruits. There's a good tree and there's a bad tree, and there's a good fruit and there's a bad fruit. As we go from there, we'll see that there are two pleas that are going to take place. Lord, Lord, look what we did. I never knew you. And then we see there at the end two foundations, one built on sand, one built on the rock. Jesus is pouring out and he's saying, look, let me show you something. This is life. Here's life. In each of these twos, there is life. Choose that life. Choose what gives life. There's a way to live and then there's a way not to live. There's a way to live that pleases God and then there's a way not to live. Or a way to live that does not please God. saying, you know the difference. I, I want us to think about this today, and I've entitled this, Choose the Hard Way. Hey, y'all remember those uh, commercials that came out several years ago? I can't remember which one it was. It was one of, the, one of the office supplies. I don't remember if it was Office Depot or Staples or whatever, but the easy button. Y'all remember those? I mean, I, I take my, my truck and my, my, my car over to Toyota to be serviced sometimes. Uh, and one of the guys that, uh, you know, the service representative or whatever, uh, he has on, on his little desk in his office, you walk in there, there's an easy button on his desk. I hit it every time I go in there, you know, thinking that whatever's fixing to happen with my truck is going to be easy. All right, it's not going to cost that much or whatever. I walk in there, I hit the easy button. Rick, I needed it to be easy, you know. And he he calls me up and he says, "Well, that easy button still didn't work, folks. Easy buttons don't work." Okay, you can choose the easy way, but you'll usually get the easy result too. Choose the hard way. Which way do we go? There's always that question. You know, when you look at this passage, enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Seems to be a crossroads going on here. Which way do I go? Which path do I choose? always decisions to make and we have choices to make 
Which way are we going to go? Who are we going to follow? When we go to Frisco, which is where our newest granddaughter is, uh, she's there in Frisco. Her name is Piper, uh, and we've seen her a few times. We're going to see her here in a couple of weeks. We're pretty excited about that, all right? And so we're going to be driving up to Frisco to see our granddaughter. Uh, she doesn't live alone. My son my daughter-in-law are there, okay? But uh, we're going to go and see them. Uh, as I have grown older, and many of you have watched me do that over the last 20 years, as I have grown older, in some things I've grown more patient, and in some things I have grown less patient. Driving in traffic is one of the things in which I have grown less patient. Okay, So in order for me to drive through Dallas... I gave Gina, I was kind of like, okay, look, one of two things are going to happen. Either we're going to go the easy way where there's not a lot of traffic, or I'm buying a tank, okay? All right, that's, the, that's what we're going to do. And so guess what we do? We leave the house, we go over to Athens, we get on um, uh, uh, 19, we go up through Canton, okay? Uh, we try to make sure that we do not go anytime that there's a first Monday or whichever one it is, you know, happening. And uh, go up 19 through Canton. We follow that on up, and we, uh, we, we go to uh, 69, connect with 69 there. We go on up to Greenville. Jake said, how, how long did it take you? I said, about an extra hour. Really? And it's kind of like it was worth it. We saw a lot of beautiful scenery and things like that. I mean, it is nice, you know. 69 two-lane road, you're just kind of bebopping along there, you know. You look out and you go, hey, look, there's a cow, you know. And it's wonderful. There's different varieties of cows. You can go slow enough to notice that, you know. Rather than like this and the preacher not saying very good things. On 635. You can make the choice of which way to go. Sometimes we look at this and we think, well, there's a crossroads. You ever come to a crossroads in your life? Metaphorically speaking. Which way will I go? What will I do? Been there? This is more eternal. And let's think of it differently. This isn't a crossroads. This is a one-way road with a stripe down the middle of it. You know, in hurricane season, when a hurricane comes through, they start evacuating cities on the, co uh, the Gulf Coast. Every highway turns into a northbound road, okay? They, they turn everything going this direction. You know, it's all coming this way. You can't go that way, you know. All the, all the lanes are opened up to go away from the hurricane. Imagine yourself on a road like that, 
and everybody is in both lanes coming this way, and you are walking down the yellow line. That's the picture here. Not the crossroads, but you're in the middle, the middle road. And you're going the opposite direction of everyone else. They're all going north, and you're going south. They're on both sides of you. You're like this. That's the illustration of these two verses. Not this road goes that way and this road goes that way. It's one road. And this is the path of the believer. Right down the middle with all lanes of traffic coming at you. Enter the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who find it or enter by it are many. Three things I want to share with you today. Number one, there's an, there's a, an easy way. Not an easy way to God. It's an easy way away from Him. Secondly, there's a hard way. That's what the text says. This way is easy and this way is hard. And then the third thing I want to share is this. Choose life. Choose life. Choose the hard way. It says here, the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. The easy way is easy to find. Just step out into the community and you'll find it. Man, you'll find all sorts of easy things. And all they want you to do is get into the flow of what's going on. It's easy to go along with everybody else, isn't it? That's an easy thing to do. Main thing is, is that how we do that usually is we sit back and we keep our mouth shut. That's easy. I'm just going to sit over here. I'm going to be unnoticed. I'm not going to say anything about the wrong thing that's going on in front of me. I'm going to be the gray man. I'm going to be the guy nobody sees. I'm going to be the gal that sits over here and minds her own business. The easy way is easy to find. The reason is, is the gate is wide, so there are no obstacles. I mean, don't you like that, you know? Look, all of us do it, all right? Pull up to the bank. Lobby's closed, so I have to go through the drive-thru, all right? I don't like drive-thrus. Talk to my wife about that. Whatever she loves drives through. I don't like drive throughs I like going inside and standing face-to-face with someone, all right? And so I have to go through the drive through The lobby's closed. I go through here, and boom, what do you have? You have all these little lines right here, right? 
No obstacles, right? No, there's obstacles. There's other people in the line. Green lights up here. Kind of like I'm going to this green light. Nobody's in that one. That's the commercial lane, Rick. It's got a green light. You're not commercial, Rick. It's got a green light. The easy way. No obstacles. All right? Yeah, but the sign says commercial. You're self-employed. I am. It fits. Technicalities. You know, little technicalities. Easy way. Anybody can do it. We can justify anything. That's the easy way. Let's just go through here. Well, I'm not happy. Well, you know, well, whatever then. Make sure that you do whatever makes you happy. The easy way loves that. That's the philosophy of the easy way, by the way. Whatever makes you happy. Has nothing to do with the pleasure of God or the desire of God. No obstacles. Marriage, no obstacle. Parenthood, that's not an obstacle. I'm going to do what makes me happy. That's the life. Anybody can go the easy way. You don't have to wait in line for this way. Even though the majority of people choose this way. That's what it says. It says, uh, and, and those who enter it are many. That's the majority. Most people choose the easy way. The majority is not always the best thing to follow, by the way. They choose this way, and there's plenty of room to spread out. This way, I mean, they're going around. They got two lanes. They can go. It's as wide. There's nobody in the ditch. You know why? Because everything's morally relative. Okay? I remember back in the 90s. I think it might have been the early 90s. I can't remember when this came out, maybe the mid-90s. Josh McDowell wrote a book. It was a shocking book to me. It was called The New Tolerance. It was kind of introducing the thinking that had come out of uh, the the this generation, the previous generations, okay, it's called postmodernism, and one of the things about postmodernity is it presented uh, this thought that there is no such thing as absolute truth; all truth is relative. And not only that, the most important thing is self. Self this, self that. I mean, self. Let me tell you what that has amalgamated into. Self saying, I am what I really am not. Because truth is up to the individual or whoever is spouting it. This highway right here, this road, this way, this path that is easy, nobody's going to object to anything, okay? It's kind of like, okay, well, you know, whatever you say, uh, you are, then you are, you know? Whatever truth you want to hold to, that's fine. That's the easy way. 
right? It's kind of what's going on in our world today. Uh, We see it. We know that it's there. Uh, Everyone agrees with everything. Somebody says, well, you know, you can't choose who you love. Yeah, you can. You can even choose who not to love in the terms in which it's being used today. It's so important for us to get and understand that what he's talking about here very much has to do with what we see today. And it's not just today. It's been throughout eternity, throughout history of mankind. Mankind have been constantly choosing that which is not true and calling it true. Romans chapter 1 tells us that the uh, righteousness of God has been revealed from heaven. And what did man do with it? He suppressed the righteousness of God. He suppressed the truth. That's what moral relativism does. And everybody just walks along hand in hand. and says nobody's right and nobody's wrong. Everybody has a right to do what they wish. No, you don't. Well, you do, but not on this other way. This other way, you're not following the path of others. You're following the path of Christ. The only idea is not tolerated on the easy way are the ideas that are intolerant, like ours, like Christianity, where we say no two men cannot get married. Yes, it is morally wrong. It is murder to kill an unborn child. No, men cannot have children, cannot have babies. These are self-evident, but not in a moral, moral, morally relativistic world. But also there's the existentialist thinking. People who think about the experience, and that returns to the self, uh, self-aggrandizement, self self-being uh, all about one's self, existentialism, my experience, dictates what is true. No, it really doesn't. This easy way. And we're not going to go the easy way. This is a way where if you need to be liked or if you want to be liked, everybody ought to like it. Because it says there, uh, those who enter by it are many. A lot of people along the way, man, if you want to be liked, they're all there. They're going to tolerate anything. They're, they're going to listen to anything. If uh, This is the way for you, if being liked is a high value point in your life, you just get in there and go with the flow. When I think about this way, I think about the amusement park. All right, let's, let's just be honest, okay? 
Rick Dees just fixing to talk about an amusement park. Look, I've been to an amusement park when I was a kid once. I think we convinced our parents we never need to take them there again. Okay? Uh, we, we went, I think, one time with our kids, with some friends, and then the rest of the time, they went to Six Flags with the church. Okay? Right? Parents dream. They're gone. <laughs> We're not doing it. Amusement park. First time I went, I was probably six, something like that. And I walked up to Six Flags Over Texas. I had never heard of it, you know. But mom and dad said we were going to Six Flags, and I was kind of like, what is that? It's an amusement park, and I was kind of like, what is that? They have rides, and we were just kind of like, all right, you know. So we walk up, and you walk up to Six Flags at that time. I don't know what it's like now, but back in the early 70s when you walked up to Six Flags, what you had is you had this row of all these turnstiles, and they were stretched across like this. There must have been 10 or 15 of them. There was lots, a big old wide gate that you could walk through. You had your little ticket. You walked up there. You handed it to them. No questions asked. You hit that thing, and you went. There were no lines standing there. They wanted to get you in there as fast as they could. And you walked in, it was like, wow. Somebody says Disney World is good or whatever. I don't know, all right? Never been there. I have no intentions of ever going there. Just don't, all right? That's just me. I doubt Gina will go either. Oh, she might want to take a trip. I don't know. We'll leave it at that. But you walk in, it's a big old world. You know, Six Flags, they had like Bugs Bunny back then, all right? Stuff like that. You walk in, and there's bugs. There's all this stuff. There's food everywhere. Just this amusement park atmosphere. And then they introduce you to something called a pink thing. Anybody ever had one of those? It's a little ice cream sherbet thing that tastes amazing. And once you have one, you're hooked, all right? I mean, you're hooked. You're looking for a pink thing box everywhere. It's this amusement park feeling, and you go in there, and you just go with the flow, and you go, and you stand in line, and you're willing to stand in the line because you're going to ride the ride. Back then, it was the mini mine train and the mine train, and Big Ben was the big one. They didn't let me ride that one. But, man, I rode those roller coasters. You stand in line all day long to ride one ride. Log ride. You know, you're going to get wet. Okay, six-year-old boy, I'm all about that. Got in the log ride. We had a good time. Had a blast. Amusement park food, some of the best food there is. You've been to the carnival before. Uh, well, they have the pretzels out there. They have all this stuff. You got it all. Not standing in a bunch of lines because they've got a lot of places. You've got all this space. You know what they don't tell you? They say, come on out and have a lot of fun. The kids are going to get tired and grumpy at the end of the day. They're not going to want to leave. But you can't take it anymore. You know, the gate was wide, and it's been a lot of fun, and the heat has been on us all day long. You know what it leads to? Destruction. I remember before I got back in the car, at Six Flags, when I was six years old, I heard leather passing through my dad's belt loops as he ripped that thing off and let me have it because I didn't want to go. 
That was destructive. He said, get in that car. And I got in that car. Y'all thinking, your dad was abusive. No, my dad loved me. That's why he used that thing. And, and he put me back in there. He said, you get back in there. And so I climbed up in the back dashboard of our Chevy Impala. And I rode all the way back to Shreveport from Dallas, asleep up there in that little old dashboard. Didn't matter the sun was beating down. It was getting dark anyway. It was destructive by the end of the day. It's a wild time. There's an easy way, and it's a lot of fun, and nobody will give you a whole lot of resistance. They really won't push back a whole lot. There's an easy way that really, you know, everyone else is doing, and it's just easier to go with everyone than it is to go against everything. But that way leads to destruction. That way leads to death. That way leads to a place of all eternity that involves you being against God and God being against you. It, 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 it leads to a place that is filled with weeping and gnashing of teeth. Enter by the narrow gate. Why? This way will destroy you. It will destroy you. There's a hard way. Jesus speaks of that way in a positive way. Look what he says, enter by the narrow gate. That's a command, by the way. It's in the imperative. Enter by the narrow gate. Why is that? Verse 14, for the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. The term narrow speaks of distress, trouble, and difficulty. King James Version, enter through the straight gate. Enter by the narrow gate, it says. Gives the impression of a gate that you uh, have to turn sideways to get through. All right? You know, I mean, you walk up to it and you go, okay, I think I can make that. You can slide through like that. Okay, this is a gate that Josh has to turn sideways to get through. All right? That's the impression that you get from this. It's distressful. It's troublesome. It's hard. The way of Jesus. One of the things we have to guard against is this is not uh, to be taken uh, allegorically. Certainly, Jesus is the door, and certainly, Jesus is the way. But this is an allegory. We don't take these things and put them in as certain people or certain things so much as we see this is the way. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. And Jesus counters church growth hacks of our day who typically use amusement park strategies to grow their churches. I mean, we want our... Churches to be cool, you know, attractive. 
Some of you, what we ought to do is have an MMA fight or something like that. Let's entertain people into the kingdom of God. You can't do that. So, I mean, he puts these church growth hacks, uh, you know, on guard here. He says, come this way. It's the hard way. (laughs) That's what he said. Hey, this is the hard way. Come this way. Isn't that what you typically want to do? No, you want the easy button. But Jesus is saying, go the hard way. Luke 13, 24, Jesus uses this terminology also. He says, strive to enter through the narrow door. Using that word strive, agonizomai. Y'all hear it? Agonizomai, agony. Agonize. This is the way. I want you to go this way. There's agony involved in this way. This is the way to life. It's kind of like, wait a minute, Rick. Didn't Jesus die to make it easy on us? No. He died to save your soul. He didn't die to make it easy. He didn't die so that you could coast and have a portfolio. Jesus didn't die so that you could be wealthy and life could be simple. Jesus died to set you free from sin. Jesus didn't die so that you could have a life of ease. Jesus died because we were sinful wretches and we deserve death and hell. And he says, choose life. It's the hard way. There's agony involved. Those of you who did Master Life this past semester recognize this verse. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. But there's a denying self, which is something our world just loves themselves. There's also taking up the burden of the cross, our own cross, and following after Jesus. Submitting our will to his will. Matthew 18, 18, Jesus suggests cutting off your hand if it causes you to sin. That sounds painful, huh? Somehow Jesus is letting us know, look, this way of the kingdom life, this way of a kingdom citizen is hard. Because you're going to agonize in trying to kill and put to death sin in your life. It's going to be hard because sin is constantly going to be pressing against you. And your task is to put it to death. Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, verses 8 through 10. He says this, train yourself for godliness, for while bodily training is of some value, Godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life, also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance 
For to this end we toil and strive. Do you all hear that? Toil and strive because we have our hope set on the living God who is the Savior of all people, even as talking about uh, being a kingdom citizen. He's talking about the toil and the strife that is involved in living out, putting to death sin, and training ourselves for godliness. Hebrews chapter 12. I don't know, I always kind of took this as as the uh, author seeming to chastise these guys. He says this in uh, chapter 12, verse 4, in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Of course, Jesus shed his blood, but we hadn't uh, gotten to the point where we're shedding blood to fight against sin, he's saying. It's almost like he's chastising us for it. Man, when we're walking down the yellow stripe, by the way, which I tend to like to drive on sometimes for whatever reason, but that yellow stripe, you know, when we're walking down, that, that is our way. I mean, the easy way, they're coming down both sides of us, but we're going right up that yellow line, the opposite way. And do you all know what seems to happen all the time as we're going in this one direction, the hard way? They're reaching out and giving us a punch every once in a while. Hey, what are you doing? You're going the wrong way. What's wrong with you? And they give us a push, trying to push us into the flow of the other traffic so that we can go the other direction. The illustration's really there, okay? I mean, this world is constantly telling us how wrong we are, how bigoted we are, how intolerant we are as believers. But Jesus said, this is the way. He said, people are going to ridicule you. Over in Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 5, uh, where he, my marker's in the wrong place. He says this in uh, verse 10, blessed are those, who, are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and other all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. He says, it's going to happen. They're going to do it. So he's pointing to us. He's helping us to see something. There's a hard way, and the world is against you. Y'all have encountered that, right? You've encountered that in school. You've encountered that in your workplace. You've encountered that when you worship. You've encountered that in all kinds of ways. We're constantly encountering that. It's the hard way. but it's the way of life. Few find it, he says. Few find this way. Few follow this way. Why? It's the hard way. Why? It's the way that says I have to lay myself aside and trust only in Christ. I can't find pleasure in the things I want to find pleasure in, but in him. That's right. Which is your way? Easy way or the hard way? Is it just easier to go along with the, with the tide, with the flow? This is not a new concept, by the way, even biblically. 
In Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses is speaking to the people. For the last time, he's fixing to go over and walk up on the mountain and look out, see the land, and die. But he says to Israel, before that, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. Put before you life and death. I put before you the easy way, and I put before you the hard way. The hard way is trusting in Christ because I want you to know everybody's against that way. The hard way is trusting in Christ because your own nature and your own flesh want to go against that way. But this Jesus who redeems us and forgives us and loves us, I want you to know he also changes us. He changes us by the power of his word and by the power of his spirit. And he loves you this very day. And he calls on you to choose life, not to choose death. You say, Rick, what's all this choosing stuff? Well, certainly you're going to choose. You're going to make a choice. You're either going to trust Christ or you're going to reject Christ. You're going to trust the truth or you're going to reject the truth. But I want you to know you, nobody's going to heaven except that they trust Christ alone for the forgiveness of their sins. No one's going to heaven except that they taste and experience the holiness that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. Because you know what won't keep you on that path? It being easy, because it's not. Tell you a story I first heard from Ray Comfort. Some of y'all may have heard of him. I tell you a little story because a lot of times what we do is we try to sell people on, and church growth often happens because we tell people how easy it is to live and to trust Christ. According to this, there's a hard way and there's an easy way. The story that Ray Comfort laid out was this story of a man taking a trip, and he's getting on the airplane. And when he gets on the airplane, the uh, flight attendant hands him a parachute. Says, sir, if you will, put this parachute on. He said, he said well, why would I do that? He's kind of like, well, you know what, let me tell you. It's going to make your trip so much nicer. Uh, you know, it, one, it's a safety factor. If something does happen, you'll be able to jump out. But this is going to make your flight nicer. It's going to be much more enjoyable uh, you're, you're going to love it if you'll wear this. And so he puts the, the, the parachute on, and he gets in there, and he's sitting like this, you know, in the seat. I mean, imagine. I mean, the parachute's pushing you forward. Those seats are already too small for fat boys, okay? I mean, I know. All right? So you, you get in there, and you're kind of pushed forward, and you're all pinned in in any way, you know, and then somebody that weighs twice as much as you gets in the next seat, you know, and you're, you're sitting in there. Too many fat jokes? No? Okay. And you're sitting there, and 
you're just terribly uncomfortable. You know, you put the tray down and they put the food in. You basically have your face in the food, you know. They're sitting there just like this, and it's kind of like, come on, you know. They said that this was going to be much more comfortable, much more pleasant. You spill the drink. You can't dry it off because you can't sit back far enough. You push the seat back. The person behind you pushes it up, you know. So what are you doing? You look around. Nobody else is wearing a parachute. They're all pointing at you and laughing at you and making fun of you because you look ridiculous. And finally, you get up and you take the parachute and rip it off and you slam it down in the aisle. You say, stupid parachute. Sit down and you're much more comfortable. That's how the gospel is mostly delivered. Here, this will make your life better. But there's a different way of thinking about it if you step on there and the stewardess calls you over and says, come here. Look, you've been selected to wear one of these. Getting fingers at him. Everybody's thinking, what in the world is this guy doing? Why are you sitting there like that? They come by with the tray of food. You know, it's a good airline. They have a ribeye. You're kind of like, I don't want the ribeye. You know, get that out of here. I can't eat it with this parachute on. I'm not taking this thing off. Why? Well, the plane's going down. No amount of comfort will make someone want to take off that parachute if they know for a fact that the plane's going down. Your life is limited. You will die. It's going to happen. And I want to assure you of this. If you do not trust in Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity in hell. He did not die to make your life comfortable. He died to set your life free. And for you, beyond any doubt, that you are a child of God, that your sins are forgiven, that he has bore the wrath that you deserved. Choose life. Choose life. That's what Jesus wants us to know. Choose life. It's hard. But you won't regret that you lived a hard life. You won't regret that you went against the flow. You won't regret that you called Jesus your Savior or that he called you his child. Choose life. That life is found in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you give us life in Jesus. We thank you, God, that you have made life uh, available to us, Lord. We pray, God, that you would help us to consider, to think about, why am I following Jesus? It's because he is the treasure of my soul. Lord, I pray that you will uh, help us to be faithful, to make known the gospel, not as a means of comfort, but as a means of eternal life, as a means of life in Jesus uh, life, Lord, in the presence of the Father. And, Lord, that that is far better than anything. We love you and we praise you in Jesus' name.